Welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the general topic podcast that takes a topic each week and, as the name suggests, cast views. This week's guest is the one and only Satsu from Chatsunami. Hello again. Hey there. Glad to be back. I've dragged you on and you just told me beforehand that you, you picked up a cold or something and I've dragged you on here to do a recording. I apologise in advance to all the lovely listeners out there who are listening to my fluey tones, I suppose is the right word, (laughs) or term rather. Yeah. No, cheers for coming on again. Had you on a few weeks ago, didn't we? We did the band advertising. Oh yeah, that was a good episode, to be fair. (laughs) And again, kind of got you on for another TV-related episode. But before we get stuck into all that, how are you and how is Chat Tsunami podcast going? And, and and yeah, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on as we speak. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, my name's Chat Tsunami, and of course I'm the host of the Chat Tsunami podcast, a variety of podcasts that deals with topics such as gaming, film, TV shows, as well as you and I are going to discuss today, of course. <laughs> And really, all good general interests. Recently, we just wrapped up a themed month. And of course, we were focusing on The Simpsons last month. So it it was interesting, I have to say. It was interesting doing one final month before we wrap up for season four. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what season four has in store for us. Um, And... Oh, probably a good couple of months. So yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> I look forward to it because one, I've said before, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your podcast too. You know, your podcast is really going from strength to strength, isn't it, at the moment? It's it's, it's great to see. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, we just reached the 20,000 mark, which feels a bit surreal, to be honest. Um, it's I don't unbelievable. Know uh, well, unbelievable in the sense of the number, but fully deserved. I mean, well, your Simpsons month that just finished recently. I was going to ask, so it feels like there was a, I'm not sure if the poll was rigged on that final one to get groundskeeper Willie, you know, with your Scottish connection. I don't know. I don't want to say the poll was rigged. <laughs> but <laughs> You see, I put that in as a joke answer, because for anyone who doesn't know, I had a poll up and it had, I think it was Homer... Ned, um, Mr Burns and Groundskeeper Willie and I thought obviously because Groundskeeper Willie is the quintessential Scottish Simpsons character I thought you know what let's just put him in let's see if anybody says yeah sure let's talk about Groundskeeper Willie for an hour and yeah my co-host wasn't very happy (laughs) when he was (laughs) like you know we could have been talking about Ned Flanders, Homer, Mr Burns but no, you just had to put in groundskeeper Willie, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was a good episode. Joking aside, oh, I you. think groundskeeper Willie is probably the, I'll be honest, I've not watched some a lot of the recent seasons of The Simpsons, but he's that, that quirky, different character, isn't it? So there's probably an interest on having a bit of a focus on him, probably rather than some of the, yeah, the, the other ones in the poll. I, I can see the appeal of, of having voted for, for him, I think. Yeah, it's definitely one of these characters, like when you're looking at your favourite TV show and you see, you know, the main ensemble and then there's always that one background character that you know of, but you think, oh, right, they're kind of just there. But the more and more you look into them, you're like, oh, they actually have a 
semi-interesting past. So, yeah, it was interesting to see what we uncovered, like the good, the bad, and the, well, the willy, as they say. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Well, look, as any good TV show or TV-based podcast will have, let's have a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from Super Familiar with the Wilsons. The Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast. You know that family whose house you hung out in when you were a kid? The house was a little loud and chaotic, but always fun, and sometimes felt more home than home. Well, that's us. We're the Wilsons, and we welcome you into our podcast with silly chat, ridiculous games, and interviews with interesting people. Like a spin doctor. The Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast. Welcome home. And we are back. And I just want to say, actually, while while we're talking about Super Familiar with the Wilsons, I just want to shout out, you know, say thanks to them again, because the music you hear every week at the start and end of the uh, end of the show is provided by Josh. So thank you again, Josh, for doing that. Right, got you on for a TV-based one. And and it's funny for a couple of reasons, because one couple of recent episodes of mine, so the one that will, that will have released a couple of weeks ago is a TV. Uh, I did one with a friend of mine on TV finales. I'm currently working on a secret, not so secret, because I've said it now, but mini-series that has got a TV theme around it. But today we are talking about Jumping the Shark. And you you've made me do this quicker because it was funny because i had it on my idea board and then what was it It was a few weeks ago you did a random tweet about it and i can't remember what it was or what made you do that can you remember i think it was just one of these random ones i was thinking about and this is uh, if anybody's seen my twitter you'll know it's just a bunch of random questions <laughs> that pop up and things like that like if your podcast was this what would it be you know things like that and i remember just thinking about jump the shark because i don't know if I'm, i must have been watching a video or someone brought it up in conversation that was like you know what that's a really interesting question what <laughs> yeah like i wonder what everybody thinks about this and then of course two seconds later of me posting that you were in my dms being like oh we need to do an episode of this and i was like absolutely yes <laughs> why not I, I responded to your tweet then i remember messaging you say look great question i've got a topic on this i want to do it now how about you come on because you know you, you tweeted it perfect for you to be on yeah. this on this particular episode then so yeah here we are jumping the shark now it's a phrase that is absolutely synonymous in pop culture now I knew where it was from anyway. Were you aware of the origin of the term? Yeah, it's quite a weird origin, I have to say. And I can see why it's synonymous with, you know, what it came from. It was Happy Days, wasn't it? With the fawns jumping over, a, well, a literal shark. Jumping over the shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. And, you know the way it's like it's one of those phrases you don't really think about you kind of say it and think all right jumping the shark and then when you think about it you think hold on a minute that is really weird where does that come from and then you go back and you actually see that clip from happy days and you're like this is this is weird (laughs) you see you have seen the clip in question yeah oh yeah it is yeah, even for like TV back then, it is a weird, weird choice. Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Because yeah, some phrases are twisted, or you look behind it, and there's some metaphorical meaning. But no, he did water ski jump over yep, a that, shark. That, that was a shark. Yeah, so, so I kind of just here, I've got it for anyone who isn't aware. So 
As we said, the term jumping the shark is used to argue that a creative work or outlet appears to have reached a point where it has exhausted its core ideas and is introducing new creative ideas that are discordant with its core nature. The phrase was coined in 1985 in response to a 1977 episode of the American sitcom Happy Days in which Fonzie Henry Winkler jumps over a shark while on water skis. Now, what I've then also found, I was just digging around about that. So Ron Howard, actually in an interview in 2006, did discuss a little bit about this. And he said, I remember Donnie Most and I sitting there looking at the script. Donnie was really upset. He said, oh man, look at what our show has devolved into. It's not very funny. And you know Fonzie's jumping over a shark. And I kept saying, hey Donnie, we're a hit show, relax. You know it's hard to have great episodes one after another. Fonzie jumping over a shark, it's going to be funny and great. I remember thinking that creatively, this was not our greatest episode, but I thought it was a pretty good stunt and I understood why they wanted to do it. What I remember most is it was fun actually driving the speedboat, which I did do a bit of, noticing that Henry was actually a pretty good water skier. But the thing that has to be remembered about jumping the shark idea is that the show went on to be a massive success for years after that. So it's it's a fun expression and I get a kick out of the fact that they identified that episode because granted maybe it was pushing things a bit too far but I think a lot of good work was done after that show and audience seemed to really respond to it so the reason why I included that was because in my head I'd always had and when I was looking at some examples online that jumping the shark was the moment that a show as it said that had used up all its best ideas and was the eventual downfall but when you look at happy days it wasn't. It was just uh, people look at it and say, yeah, they've really got no other new idea and they've just done anything. So kind of, how, is that how you had it in your head that it was either the eventual downfall of a show or just that it was just a bizarre out there idea that maybe the writers came in, had a blank bit of paper and had five minutes to submit an episode? Yeah, to be honest, it does seem as if jumping the shark is like a last resort because usually, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of shows that I have heard of that they'll still continue even after the jumping the shark moment. You know, they'll introduce new characters. They'll because I mean, if you look at long-standing series like The Simpsons, for example, you have a lot of jumping the shark moments, both literally and figuratively, where Homer might become I don't know, like a superstar and something or is getting shot by a cannon in one episode, <laughs> the whole town's getting moved, you know, like they get into wacky adventures and you can understand kind of because that's a cartoon that's more animated than some of the others, but that's never really stopped it from carrying on, yeah. for better or for worse, you know, but there have been some, I have to say, that I've noticed that the jump in the shark has become pretty much the well, on the one hand, some of the examples that I've got tonight are essentially the final nail in the coffin, despite being very popular to begin with. And then as soon as they hit that moment of jumping the shark, then they just absolutely plummet. Whereas there's some others that I know still technically finished, but they had spin-offs and things like that so initially I thought it would be the death of a show but it doesn't seem to be for like a fair few examples so it's quite interesting to see that 
even if you jump the shark, it's not a death a death sentence. Yeah, it is interesting what you said, and I think yeah, for for a lot of shows, it probably can go hand in hand, and it would make sense why it doesn't. But maybe it might be a springboard for something new, a new direction. <laughs> so I've got some examples of ones I actually remember. Then I did search the, the net for a bit. Now I kind of chucked at you before today, or just just before recording that, open it up for films as well. Happy with it for films, but I've got two other things. Um, just quickly before I hand over to you for your first example of terms similar or of similar usage to jump the shark in TV and entertainment. So the first one, you might be able to guess when I say it, but one is uh, nuke the fridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was in the cinema when I witnessed that. <laughs> so, in, sorry, no, no. in 2008, Time identified a term modelled after jump the shark called nuke the fridge specifically applicable to film the magazine defined the term to exhaust the hollywood franchise with disappointing sequels the phrase derives from a scene in the fourth indiana jones film indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull in which indiana jones survives an atomic bomb detonation by fitting himself into a lead-lined refrigerator to shield himself from the radiation the explosion annihilates its surroundings but sends a refrigerator flying sufficiently distant for the protagonist to escape unhurt. The scene was criticised as being scientifically implausible. Possibly some examples of mine may or may not fit the nuke the fridge element. But there's one I'd never heard of before. And it's, again, it's quite funny when you see the explanation. It's called Growing the Beard. Now, sci-fi people, sci-fi fans may know this or not. But growing the Beard refers to the opposite of jumping the shark i.e. when a show dramatically improves in quality. In the series Star Trek The Next Generation, the second season is considered to be better in terms of storytelling over the first season. This shift coincides with character William Riker, who was clean-shaven for the first season, growing a moustache and beard that he retained for the second season. Brilliant. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I have to admit, that is 100% true. So I just found it funny that there were some other kind of sayings that have spawned out of specific things in TV. But tell you what, let's go first. Hit me with your first example of a of a jump the shark moment. Well, going for a British example, and my second example is kind of linked to this as well because it had the same showrunner. But did you ever watch Sherlock by any chance? Oh, I did, yes, yeah. So... The first two seasons, I think people could argue, although they were a wee bit far-fetched, they seemed to capture everyone's imagination. Everyone wanted to see the next episode, and slight spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, but by the end of the second season, they reenacted the, was it the Rhinebeck Falls or something like that? Like yes, the yeah. Same story from the uh, novels only with a more contemporary setting. And then, of course, they had to bring him back for a third season and all of that. And don't get me wrong, that wasn't necessarily the jump in the shark moment. It is one of them, by all means. But there was one, in fact, there wasn't even one. There was several (laughs) in particular with like season three and four, where, again, spoilers, but when... they revealed that 
I think it was John's fiance was like a super spy yeah. or something that Sherlock had a secret sister that was smarter than him and everything. It just kept getting more and more complicated. I think someone quite brutally, mind you, but they described it as a silly person, and I'm using this very, you know, loosely and lightly, but they described it as a stupid person writing a smart character. And I can kind of see that throughout it. You know, the way he randomly says, oh, I knew you were an alcoholic based on the smell of your nails or something like that. And, you know, it was like really obscure things that you could kind of see in season one and two, but by season three and four, it was like he was a magician. It was literally Doctor Strange by that point. And you're like, this is... It's not even jumped the shark, it's jumped off the building and bounced off the shark onto the next shark tank. It was, yeah, it was a bit disappointing, to be fair. <laughs> See, I think you're right in that I remember that show was kind of a breath of fresh air on TV, wasn't it? The first few series anyway, it was gripping it oh, yeah. really well written and you couldn't wait for the next episode. But I do remember the last yeah. season and there was a whole thing, yeah, with his sister being, was his sister imprisoned? I can't remember. Yeah, I've, I've not like... gone back to it, but that I remember that whole episode felt really random and jumping to illogical conclusions. Yeah, because it was things like, "Oh, she had summoned Moriarty to that prison or something," and they thought Moriarty was alive and everything. I don't, I, I can't remember because again, I haven't watched it since it aired on TV. But it was such a weird episode. I do agree. It was just all these contrivances and things like that and it's such a shame because the show itself in the first two seasons was by all means great but yeah after that it just yeah as I said jumped the building (laughs) somewhere do you think it was just a victim of its own high quality in that maybe even right because wasn't there rumors because the seasons got longer and longer apart because obviously I, well both the actors went on to do other things didn't they they it, it felt like they were being dragged back to do sherlock yeah because did both of them not go on to do the hobbit because benedict cumberbatch did the motion capture i remember for smoke the dragon in the films and martin freeman did bilbo baggins in those films. I can't remember if they coincided with the filming of these in particular. Because I remember there was the memes and references in between them, but it would explain why there was such like a gap in between them. I just remember at the time as well, and this is all, you know, conjecture and media um hype as well. But I say if I remember right, I think there was also rumors that they just didn't n- not necessarily that they didn't get on with each other, but they just didn't want to come back and do that show that I think they'd had enough of it. And yeah, I can't remember if it was also coinciding with the Marvel stuff. Because yeah. they're both in oh. Marvel as well, right? But I just think the first couple of seasons were just so clever that do you write yourself into a corner? Because I mean jumping ahead on my list here, but I feel as if the showrunner, Stephen Moffat, who, don't get me wrong, he has done some excellent work, like in Doctor Who and, of course, in Sherlock, but it almost felt as if he was writing Sherlock a bit like a Doctor Who character, because in Doctor Who, you know, you've got this alien who's very talented at getting themselves out of a pickle, as it were. 
you know, he'll say, oh, you just reverse the polarity in this. Oh, you just press this button. Oh, that's great. Which is all fine and good for, like, a time traveller, alien kind of person. But, you know, when you've got a contemporary London setting and it's more grounded and realistic, it's like, it doesn't fit the same. You know, if you want to make it fantastical, then make it fantastical. Yeah. Don't make it sci-fi, which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> great start, great start. I am going to start with, your. you're far too young to remember this, but I'm going to start with, probably for me, is the biggest of all Jump the Shark moments for my childhood or life and today. And, and I just also want to say that I'm not saying any of mine, and I think the same for you, I'm not saying any of these are bad shows. I'm just saying the moments we're picking, yeah. or at least definitely that I'm picking, are just the WTF kind of thing that don't fit in with yeah. the rest of the show. So did you ever watch Dallas? I mean, I'm sure you're probably aware of Dallas, right? No, I haven't watched Dallas, but I know the exact moment you're talking about. And can I just say, I am actually wondering how many showers were sold <laughs> yeah. after that twist. Because, gee, I can imagine, like, as I said, like I didn't really grow up watching it, but I can imagine how people must have felt. Now, what I want to do is try quickly think on my feet and pick a different moment. But no, no, you've absolutely guessed it right. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's the whole Bobby Ewing death and how he came back. So, for people that don't know, firstly, Dallas was just absolutely huge in the UK. Anyway, it was it was in the eighties, so it was one of those hugely over the top, glitzy, glamorous. The characters, you know, oozing richness from America, which and in the eighties when this is just kind of straddling when we only had three channels to now we, and and then getting a fourth channel, it was just almost like must see TV for for a lot of households. So what happened uh, in season eight? Patrick Duffy, who played Bobby Ewing and is um, was Jr's brother, his contract came up. Or, or ran out and so he was written out the show so looking back on it you think they could have done it differently but he he went out they killed him off so there was absolutely no doubt about it i think he was hit he was run over that's right yeah he was run over by a car in an attempt by sister-in-law to run over his wife god that that's just that sentence alone just sums up dallas so killed in the show but then i think the show because of that started to slip and was losing ground to Dynasty, which again, do you know Dynasty? Have you ever seen Dynasty? Oh, yeah. I know all that. That was the rival. That was like the Coronation <laughs> yeah. Street or yeah. to, to EastEnders. Oh, but but Dynasty was, I think, even more. It ramped up the glitz and glamour factor even more. Anyway, it started losing ground to it. So basically the whole of 1986 season was a struggle. And so what do they do? They They think, Right, we've got to we've got to bring Bobby back. He was such a popular character. So how do they do it? I think they said there was a lot of rumors in the in the media. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got it here. Tabloids, magazines, and newspapers were alight in the summer of '86 with hypotheses on how Bobby Ewing would be brought back. Everything from a zombie brother to an un which I think would have been brilliant to an unheretofore twin were options. But the most realistic choice, and some might say lazy, was to provide the most simplistic narrative, it was all a dream. And that's exactly what happened. At the end of the season finale, Pam wakes up in her bed. She hears a shower running. She pulls the door open. She sees Bobby. 
he turns around and good and says good morning just like that like the entirety of the 85 86 season didn't happen and and that's how it ended and the cliffhanger allowed suspense to be carried through the summer as to who was really in the shower but rest assured it was a real bobby not a doppelganger not a robot not some bizarre creation so the thing i even remember at the time because it felt bizarre at the time you've had a whole year of a of a show and now you've written all those stories around. And if I remember right, I think there were like new characters, etc. introduced. So just all some person's fever dream. That's crazy. You know, I can appreciate how you bring someone back. But at that point, surely you've just got to say, we can't write. <laughs> surely someone says to whoever the writer is, like, Jim, really? If you haven't seen it, try and look up the scene on, um, on YouTube. You know, not to make you feel old, but even my dad to this day still references that um, whenever something happens on TV that's very much a jump the shark moment, you'll always turn around to say something along the lines of, oh, look, it's Bobby Ewan coming out the shower. <laughs> and it's like, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. It's just, it's weird to think that of all the scenes in television, we have the phrase jumping the shark and not walking out the shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah take, taking a shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so true, actually. Yeah, if I remember from what I said in the intro, I think jumping the shark just beat this by a year, didn't it? So maybe if if things had been different. Yeah. Um, I just remember, because at the time I would have been something like nine or ten, so fairly young still. Even then, at that point, at that age, I, I still remember thinking really is this what they've done it is just mm-hmm. oh it's just proper proper it's like they said proper lazy it's like let's hope nobody nobody cares about it and and like i said i think it would have been fine if if it hadn't been a whole season like if maybe he got killed halfway through the season mm-hmm. and then they decided yeah. to bring him back but like i said you've had a whole year of or, or a season of stories which are ultimately no point to it Anyway, Dallas, Bobby Ewing, if, if you don't know it, ha- have a look at it. But yeah, it, and the fact that it's got the cheesiest scene when he turns around with a smile and says hello, almost like he knows it's a funny thing. That's what tops it off for me, I think. It must be annoying, though, to think that you've invested so much time into a season and then all of a sudden they turn around to say, oh, by the way, it was all a dream, so... All of those hours you sat down in front of the TV doesn't mean anything. And you're like, yeah. well, what? I wish I wish <laughs> some shows could do that and, and wipe out some seasons or some shows. And I wish I could do that with football as well. <laughs> it was all a dream. Ah, true. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? So linking back to what I was saying before, another one that might be quite a strange example is Doctor Who. And Doctor Who is one of those shows, don't get me wrong, it is fantastical, it's over the top, it's wild, it's, you know, it's a show for, like, families and people of all ages, despite maybe some fans nowadays being very vocal and, um, let's face it, being a bit man-childish about it, but at the same time, you get a lot of moments, and don't get me wrong, Doctor Who's always, you know, gone for the over the top kind of thing, but I feel as if there was a precedent that was set probably towards the end of David Tennant's run. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love David Tennant's run. I'm echoing what you're saying here to say that 
I don't think the show's necessarily bad, but they did this weird thing where they took the character of the Doctor and they gave him more and more of an influence. So as far as I know, because obviously you and I both probably aren't old enough to have watched it when it first came out, you know, in the 60s, of course, but at the same time, it started getting to the point where the Doctor became more and more important to the extent that they rewrote, like, the canon. I don't know if you saw this, like, on the news or on Twitter or anything for the last couple of seasons that they had on. I kind of got into Doctor Who fairly late in the sense of, I think it was probably on the Matt Smith run when I then started watching it from the Christopher Eccleston from the start. But then I kind of zoned out. I think because I watched so much of it in one go, I kind of petered out when it was the um, Peter Capaldi. So I've, I've lost the last couple of seasons of Doctor Who. To be fair, I was the same. Like I started because a friend introduced me in 2005 and I thought, oh, this is going to be rubbish. But <laughs> fortunately, like I really enjoyed myself. So I'm like, oh, this is great. Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant. By Matt Smith, I was kind of like yourself. I was petering out of it. I wasn't a big fan of his run. No offence to him, of course, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. And that's when they started making him like the centre of the universe. Do, do you know what and I think? It, sorry, I was going to say, do you know what I think it was for me? It was when he started getting too much, there was a lot of focus on, was he a good person? Remember, he was like self-reflecting, oh, am I a good person? Yeah. And I want to see a show about... The, the Time Lord going from planet to planet, dealing with different aliens and having these adventures, not yeah. self-reflecting and navel-gazing and wondering, is he a good or bad person? So anyway, side see, story, but that was me, yeah. <laughs> no, but see, whenever I think of a character saying, am I a good person? Am I a good man? Do you know what it reminds me of? You know that sketch of, oh, I can't remember his name, David something, where he's dressed up as the... German soldier during the Second World War, and he turns around to the other guy and he goes, "Are we the baddies?" <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that, but yeah, I can. Oh, I can get that. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just every time I hear that phrase, I'm just, I always think about that. The are we the baddies here? It's like we've got skulls on our heads and everything. And you know, it's like the Doctor who's like he says, and I think it was the film or the. 50th anniversary or something like how he pressed the button and he destroyed the planet and he says how he can hear the screams of children and things like really dark stuff and again I just keep thinking back to the are we the baddies? Because <laughs> I feel as if we're the baddies you know but towards the end like in the last couple of seasons it was the Jodie Whittaker run which personally like that wasn't my cup of tea but I know a lot of people enjoyed it and you know I don't want to take that away from anyone but what I am going to take away from you (laughs) is the twist about how they basically retconned the doctor's past and they made her into like a super duper amazing mystery alien again so she's not even like part of you know, the secret society of time travellers and everything. She's this, yeah, it's just like a alien that has regenerative powers and she got experimented on and, you know, then she becomes part of this other secret organisation and it just keeps going on and on and kind of building up like that. And 
to me personally, with all the Doctor Who has done, even with the Matt Smith era, even with Peter Capaldi, that was the moment I felt as if it just took the TARDIS, jumped over the giant space whale, <laughs> and yeah, just kept going to the second star on the right because <laughs> it was. I know I'm getting my <laughs> franchises mixed there, but yeah, it was just it was a weird, weird thing. Yeah. You think that's because because the one thing I do remember about it was wasn't the Doctor supposed to only have like eleven regenerations or something? So is that a way of getting yeah. out of that? Is that the get out the get out clause for that? Was it? It was some yeah, it was something like that. They said they had a way. I think it was. 12 or 13, I could be totally wrong in that, because they brought in John Hart to mix up the regeneration cycle, so technically, you know, they bumped up the new ones a number, um, so like right. Matt Smith being 11 was 12, right. David Tennant was technically 11, you know, like it was all kind of wibbly-wobbly, as they say, but... At the same time, yeah, I think it's just an episode where, they, and you're going to think this is crazy, and anyone who hasn't seen Doctor Who's going to think this is crazy, but I'm pretty sure one of his assistants literally like knocks on a crack in the wall and says, hey, Time Lords, give them more regenerations. And <laughs> they do. And that's it. That's so they could like, have just oh. asked all along. Yeah, apparently the Time Lords could give them, which is weird because considering the retcon that the Doctor actually had more regenerations than yeah, the I'm all for, you know, trying new things with characters and reinventing certain aspects, but retconning the character to such a degree, yeah, that that is definitely, to me anyway, it feels like a jump in the shark mode, or uh, as we established before, walking out the shower yeah. moment there. Yeah, actually, that's what we've got to call it. Maybe I should call the episode that. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, and I know <laughs> I know the show hasn't been on consecutively for 60 years, but it feels weird that something that has been around for 60 years gets such a wild rewrite like that then, when, oh, when there's probably not even any hint about it. Potentially, or they probably retconned that in as well, I guess. Probably. <laughs> okay, I am going to do a complete sort of about turn and go into the world of sitcoms. Now, I've got a couple actually sitcoms. I won't have much on this, and maybe it's just me because I was a huge fan of the show as well. Were you ever a fan of Frasier? I've seen a couple of episodes, and I have to say it is hilarious, but I never really watched it growing up, which, you know, that, that's full on me, I have to say. <laughs> I loved Frasier. I loved Cheers. I thought it was a great spin-off. It's one of the few spin-offs that genuinely worked. If you've seen a bit of it, so you know the setup. You've got Frasier lives in Seattle. His dad moves in with him. He's got brother Niles. They get the housekeeper from Manchester, who's quite a, a dizzy Mancunian. And the whole story of it is, is that Fraser's brother Niles really fancies Daphne and he's pining for her season after season. Now, for me, the jump the shark moment or the walking in the shower moment for me is they then in the I think I think it was fairly late on. So I think it had 10 or 11 seasons. So I think it was season seven. They got together. Niles and Daphne eventually got together. And for me, that's then when the show went downhill for me because you took out one of the key components that made the show quite funny is 
him pining over her and them not quite ever getting together. And to to be honest, to me, even though it lasted seven seasons, it didn't feel like it was a worn out plot point. But as soon as they got married, because all of a sudden she became a lot more refined and sophisticated, and then and they were laughing at Roz and and Frasier, and it just felt one, it felt weird that they did end up together, and two, it's like they totally changed the dynamic of both characters that it made the rest of the show just not feel right to me. So I'm still saying, as I said earlier, I still had some good moments for the remaining seasons, but that's when it yeah it lost its shine for me and it's like yeah let's just get these two together because that that, you know that's what we think people want and no i think it totally changed the way the show felt that is quite interesting though because there is a lot of sitcoms that really depend on the will they won't they trope like i think friends is probably one of the big ones with ross and rachel and they do get together but then they split them up and it's a kind of double-edged sword, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, if they do get together, then the whole will-they-won't-they they dynamic gets completely scrubbed off the table. But if they don't have them together and they take too long to get them together, then you're kind of like, well, why am I watching? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this, this is going on far, far too long. Yeah. You bring up a good example in Friends, though, but what Friends did well is, like you said, they got them to be together a couple of times, but then split them up fairly mm-hmm. quickly. And that then becomes a comedy point in itself, um, as much as breakups can yeah. be. And whilst they did end up together, it was pretty much right at the end of the final series, right? So, yeah, maybe if Niles and Daphne had got together right at the end of Frasier, it would have been different and if you're changing the way characters are just by putting them together then that feels a shame of the previous seven seasons as well oh absolutely okay what's next so i went a bit more international in my hunt (laughs) because i can't remember if i told you and for anyone uh, listening who doesn't know i'm very much into language learning and things like yeah. that, which I have to say does lead me into a weird realm in the world of Netflix. So, like, I'll be looking for like Chinese speaking shows, I'll be looking for Spanish shows, I'll be looking for this and that. I'm not saying it's improved uh, my language skills by any means, but one of the shows that I became absolutely addicted to was one called Money Heist. Have you ever heard of this one? Heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Well, again, this is one that I would recommend the first two seasons. Um, Basically, it was a show that I think was on Spanish TV, like the first two seasons, and then it got picked up by Netflix, and this is where the jumping the shark or walking (laughs) out the bank, as it were, moment (laughs) came into thing. So the show's basically about this guy who... And don't get me wrong, it has its kind of implausible moments like, oh, how did they plan ahead? You know, it's one of these ones where the heist goes wrong, it's like meticulously planned, and then it goes wrong, so they're trapped inside the... It's not really a bank, it's like the place where they print off like the euros and everything. So they're basically printing off the money so they can escape, and... It's absolutely fantastic. It's still entertaining because you're on the edge of your seat thinking, 
are they going to get out? Are they not going to get out? What's going to happen? So, spoilers, but for the most part, they do succeed for the first two seasons, despite, you know, the stereotypical losses in the team and everything. But otherwise, fantastic TV, would wholeheartedly recommend. And then because it was so popular, they brought it back for three more seasons, would you believe? And it was terrible. Really? Um, well, not terrible. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. Okay, I'll, I'll dial it back a wee bit, but it, ju- it just wasn't good. It's because they decide then, um, they decide because one of their like crewmates ends up stupidly, like it's his own fault, they end up getting arrested by Interpol. Right. So they want to try and free him. Yeah. So the way they do that is they try to rob the National Bank of Spain, which is pretty much, as far as I know, is where they keep all the gold and things of Spain. So it it just gets ridiculous. You know, you've got, like, a one-man army team going in trying to shoot people. You've got just... I mean, the first two seasons were a little bit implausible, but... These ones are just way, way over the top, <laughs> you know. It's like it goes from realism into fantasy at times. And what's annoying as well is there's a particular character that I won't spoil it, but a particular character that dies in season one and two, but they bring them back through flashbacks. Okay. Because he was so popular. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where he's actually got his own spin-off coming. (laughs) And it's just, it's crazy. And that's what I was saying at the very beginning. It's despite the fact that some people think that Money Heist is outstayed, it's welcome. You've still got spin-off series about a character who is, by all means in the show, long, long dead. Um, But at the same time, that hasn't affected them because... Well, why would it? <laughs> the money of Netflix. And even if you look at the... I think there was another reboot, or, or not a reboot, but there was a quote-unquote reimagining of it for a Korean version. Okay, so okay. You can, like you can tell that the seasons three to five, while not strong and while walking out the shower or walking into the shower, you can tell that that hasn't hurt the series yeah. or hurt its reputation. So it's quite interesting to see that, that unlike shows like Sherlock or even Dallas, I mean, I know they technically tried to bring back Dallas. I think they brought it back in Channel 5. I think they did, you're right. Fairly yeah. recently, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then I think it just disappeared again. <laughs> like um, neighbours just quietly retired. <laughs> That that is a really interesting one because something about I've got something I'll, I'll mention right at the end about some some place where a again where a character dies and they bring it back that seems to be a familiar thing and it just smacks of, of laziness because it does take away any impact the death of that character has right it's it's like the classic thing even in like the superhero films now there's no peril anymore because you know they're not gonna kill that superhero so in certain 
um, franchises in certain shows now, you can never feel tense because you know nothing bad's going to happen to them, or especially or you just think, oh, well, in, a, in that show you mentioned, if another character dies, well, how do you know they're not going to bring them back sort of as, a, as a fairly regular character next week or next season? Because, I mean, they even did that in... Go back to my first example, they even did that in Sherlock where Moriarty gets killed. That's and right. Yeah. I always remember the fan theories where yes. they were like, oh no, the way he shot the way he shot himself, he didn't actually shoot him, or it was a blank or some rubbish. Yeah, it reminds me of when I used to play games like um, Call of Duty and there would be a particular character that would get shot in the head or something, and because people liked them so much, they would say, oh, no, he didn't actually get killed, <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, such denial. <laughs> but you're completely right, though, with like the MCU or any really most franchises, that even if it's grounded in realism, you don't have to worry about necessarily bringing them back yeah it's like you can bring them back in a flashback or you know i mean technically it's not the same actor but it kind of reminds me of a film that i watched recently uh, the godfather 2 okay which i know i'm late to the game but <laughs> you know how and again spoilers they killed off marlon brando's character in the first yeah. one yet somehow they dedicated half the second <laughs> film to his like past life and i know it's obviously it's not the same actor but it's still that character so even though he is long dead and the plot itself yeah they're still like giving him time so yeah it's weird that there is like a bit of a trend with a lot of these shows i really 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 like the godfather too so we're going to move on now so uh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I, I get what you mean. No, I get what you mean. I'm going to do a couple quickly. This one I should have actually lumped in with my previous one. We were talking about it. I'm going to say Friends, but what I'm going to say specifically about Friends was when Joey and Rachel dated. Oh, that Jesus, that yeah. really did feel like they've run out of ideas. They, it's almost like they've got the matrix of which characters have dated which ones and realized sort of towards the end, oh, oh we haven't had Joey and Rachel date. And it just felt so, again, unnecessary. It was an awkward storyline even to watch. It gave nothing. And it was the fact it was over so quickly, or even though they managed to make it kind of stretch over a couple of seasons, it wasn't needed. We didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. Just erase it. I think even the actors were uncomfortable with that. But again, because the writers had the power, Yeah. yeah. But the one I one yeah. I wanted to mention kind of bucks the trend of what we have been saying a little bit, but it was Roseanne. So did you ever watch Roseanne? I know it came back and then there was all sorts of controversy with it, but the original run of oh, Roseanne, of did you ever see that? No, but again, it's one of those ones that I know of, but yeah, yeah unfortunately not. Yeah. So again, yeah. need to say it was huge in America and over here. So I think it was number one show in America in the first five years. But what I've got here is it jumped over the shark in its final season. So they're always like a poor working class family. And that was the whole kind of thing about it, that their, the comedy sometimes was around their struggles and, and how they were. Um, the Connors won the state lottery and suddenly became worth over $100 million. Right? Fine so far. 
However, it was later revealed that the whole series itself was a story written by Roseanne Connor about her life, and Dan, the husband, had actually died at the end of season eight. And so, that, as I said, Jesus. it took a dark and unnecessary turn for the worst. Now, yeah. if this was a thriller or this was a drama, brilliant twist ending. But it's a comedy. And this is another bugbear of mine, comedy series that start going serious. I watch a comedy because I want to laugh and the clues in the name. They gave fans what they wanted, almost like, oh, this family have done it. They've come out of their, you know, their, their struggles. No, it was all a story and, and your most favourite character died two seasons ago. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, you can have comedies that are serious, but at the same time have that levity behind it. I mean, if you look at Blackadder Goes Forth, for example, that's set against, you know, one of the worst one of the worst moments in human history with the First World War being the setting, but at the same time, it's something that you kind of expect going into it. Yeah. You know, the poking fun at things and when they do have a serious moment, you're ready for it. But when you just told me there that <laughs> you had a family sitcom followed by, you know, the finale saying, oh, by the way, the dad was dead the entire time, yeah. a la Sixth Sense style, <laughs> you know, you're like, that, that, that isn't right. Well, that's it. It's the opposite <laughs> yeah. of the walking in the shower yeah. that we've been talking about. It's, it's because, and, and remember, so it was, um, oh, what's his name? It's John Goodman, right? So he, you know, he was a really popular character larger than life and i think probably most people were watching it for him as well and then yeah you're kind of doing that it was devastating and again i remember at the time i i think i'd stopped watching it for a couple of seasons but obviously it was big news at the time and and, and again i thought yeah i'm glad i hadn't carried on watching that so yeah oh absolutely <laughs> what, what else have you got actually how many more have you got um, only one or two, really. Um, I can race through. No, no, it's all right. No, go for it. No, go, yeah. go um, for it. Give us your next yeah. one. Well, kind of, it's just a big conglomerate, I suppose, of shows. Reality TV is quite a bad one, and by extension, soap operas as well here. And I mean, in the sense of the UK one. So you know, your Extenders, your Coronation Streets, your Emmerdales and things and honestly like that could be an episode in itself <laughs> talking yeah. about yes. how they go off the deep end you oh, know wow. yes. you've got good yeah because I mean you've got and for any British listeners of a certain age you'll know the very famous you're not my mum yes I am twist that that's an example of a good one but then when you get ones where it's like someone getting I don't know getting killed or and again, they come back, or they are their long lost brother or sister yeah, or something, yeah. or they survive a beating or something. But in terms of reality TV, it's maybe a bit harder to define in terms of when it jumps the shark. But I feel as if for shows like maybe X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, even the Bake Off is very guilty of this as well, where they try to mix things up, no pun intended, sorry, when they try to mix things up and they try to do something new with the show, yeah. 
you know, they'll say, oh, we're doing a new challenge, oh, we're doing this and that. And it just feels almost as if they're, again, they're jumping the shark, but not in the traditional sense of, oh, they're doing something wacky that's going to kill the show, but it ends up ultimately leading to that because, I mean, when was the last time X Factor was on when they tried to change things up? So, you know, I, I I gave up on that show oh. after the first couple of seasons. Um, but no, you raise a really good point, sorry, and I just want to do a public service announcement here. Stop ruining Bake Off, please. <laughs> I love that show. And like you said, yeah, I think they learned in the last series, I think they tried to do a bit too much, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've talked to Sean from Review Yourself, and my God, it is... We've talked about this at length, about how they just decide randomly, at least for the last season, they decided randomly to be like, oh, we're going to do like time-limited ones where some people will get a certain amount of time, some people will get less time. Others, it was like, oh, you you just have to bake this one. Oh, can they give you instructions and things? And I completely agree with you. All tasks without bake baking in. You know? <laughs> Oh, they were, yeah, they were all about um, cooking, yeah. weren't they? I mean, oh, God, yeah. you've really got me wound oh. up here now. I'm sorry. But it's oh. like the Bake Off show isn't a gripping drama. It's not a thriller. It's not a sci-fi. It's a comfort show. It does what it says on the tin. It's a great British baking show. Just show me those contestants baking in the three rounds. Don't mix it up. Don't change it. That's what viewers have tuned in for. Sorry, that's it. Ran over. Yeah. yeah. No, because, I mean, to to get an example across the pond, there's two particular shows that I really got into Netflix. Um, I don't know if you've seen these. Uh, one's called Nail It, and the other's called um, Is It Cake? Seen the Is It Cake one, yeah. Yeah, well, for Is It Cake, they brought back the... They brought it back for a second sequel. Or sorry, they brought it back for a second season. And all I'll say is I don't agree with who won. Um, that's all I'll say for the controversial view. But they were allowing them to do things like mess up the other props to make them look oh, okay. more cakey yeah. rather than you know making their own cakes look more realistic, which I thought... Uh, you know, typical Scott here, I'm like, hold on, that, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. But whereas when you go into something like Nailed It, Nailed It is basically people who can't bake, you know, they okay, can yeah. make a basic cake, but they can't make it look as good as what they've been shown. But you expect that, and it is very much a comfort show. And you're right, sometimes you get that in the Bake Off. It's a very you know, comforting show. It's one you just kind of sit back and relax and you think that's the, you know, you expect what you're going in for. But when you go into the last season, it's like, oh, you're going to be cooking fajitas or, oh, you're going to be doing this. Enjoyment is the baking element. And seeing each week, you could have the same show, the same task each week. Different bakers are going to, have different results and uh, you, you know and that's the enjoyment of it we don't need to see them put through some sort of game show style um squid game rule set you know yeah. but i mean do you remember was it cake gate or something like that or bin gate no sorry yeah, it was bin yeah. gate yeah where someone not accidentally but someone took 
the cake yes, out of the fridge. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, he dumped it in the bin and everything and because it was right. Which I would have done. Which I would have done, yeah. Yeah. And people were actively calling for that woman to be arrested, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious. But if you think about it, that whole moment stemmed from a woman taking out the cake of a fellow <laughs> contestant from the freezer. There was no like wacky rule set. There was no complication. It was just make an ice cream cake. And if it's not up to scratch, then you know, you're going to be out in the competition. But when you think about the recent one, did you think of them being very picky, saying, oh, I don't like this, or oh, I don't, because that's something that does annoy me, and I feel as if maybe nowadays it's a bit better than reality shows, and apologies, this is a whole other trope, but it's the fact that when a show, or in particular a reality shows kind of going downhill, the judges will maybe be a wee bit harsher yeah, yeah, on the contestants. Yeah. And you kind of think, like especially Paul Hollywood, you're just like, it's a bacon show. Come on. It, you know? exactly don't it. get me wrong. I was just going to say, it's not like they're making afternoon tea for the king or anything, yeah. or they're going to get, you know, like The Apprentice, they're going to get a £100,000 or something for their cake you know they're still gonna get a rightful this reward this for isn't, it, but... this show isn't gonna win afters and and things like that it does exactly what it says it is a really nice the, the funny thing was i didn't even watch it is one of is one of my favorite comfort shows i didn't watch the first season i remember my wife was watching it i didn't because i thought oh, baking show is not for me then i think i started watching the second season and that's it then. I was hooked. And because there is something relaxing, I love food. I absolutely love food. So there's a bonus. <laughs> but yeah, what I liked about it is it was just that. It was those same three rounds every week in, in the sense of the format of the round. It, you got to uh-huh. see people bake. There was some, you, you get the X Factor style um, tragedies, you, you know, in, in the sense of tragic baking. And then you got some really superstar kind of baking. And, and that's all it is. And yeah, sorry, I could do, I could go on and on about the Bake Off, just, but all I'll say is please don't ruin it. Yeah, what I thought you definitely. were going to say, actually, about, you mentioned a couple of Netflix ones, and this probably shows the first one, how geeky I am as well. There was one about glass blowing. Have you seen that? I have, yeah. I loved the first yeah. season, stopped watching the second one because I think they tried to tinker around with it too much again. And it's like, you know, keep it the same. And there's a... um. A Texas barbecue one, kind of like the Bake Off, but Texan barbecuing. And again, the first season felt far better than the second one, maybe because they tried to change it. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I agree with you. Don't You don't need to always tinker with a, a winning formula or recipe. <laughs> because when they do that, though, it just changes what the show was. And that is the almost the literal definition of jumping the shark, because... It's something, it's a particular moment that they've taken and then they've done something completely ridiculous and now when you're going forward, you know, it's like the Bake Off, when you're going forward, you're not going to think about the good times of watching the Bake Off and thinking, oh, Mary Berry, Paul Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. You're going to be thinking, Jesus, is there no cake in Mexico? that they could have chosen, (laughs) rather than making bloody fajitas and things like that. You're like, are you serious? (laughs) You know, 
Oh dear. Oh, right. yeah. I, I, so, I can't believe it. of everything we've done, we've spent most time at the moment on the Bake Off, but that's just how much I damn care about it. All right. It's a national it treasure, is, yeah, to be fair. Ruining <laughs> it. I've got, a, again, another quick final TV one. This is my final TV one. I've got then very quick honorable mentions for films, but this one I actually looked up and I, I've included it because I just think it's hilarious. So it's Scooby Doo. Oh, okay. It's. Basically, the a uh, number of websites accused it of jumping the shark when they introduced Scrappy Doo, um, because they oh, said, yeah, although he was designed to help avoid cancellation, his introduction in 1979 with catchphrases like Scrappy Dabby Doo, Lemmy Out, and Puppy Power made him one of the least liked cartoon characters of all time, and a lot of people then say that was basically the end of that show. So. I actually, I remember watching it, and I'm going to say I quite like Scrappy Doo, but you know, don't don't hate me. I have to admit, I did laugh at the. I think it was the early 2000s film, like the live action one, where and again spoilers in case anybody's worried about spoilers for the Scooby Doo film. But yeah, they brought him back as like an antagonist. Like oh, as a right. twist of that okay, one. Okay, okay. Then I have to say it was actually really funny oh. the way they did it. But that's like the right way. But like on that note of Scooby Doo, did they not do the same for the Flintstones as well? Only instead of Scrappy Doo, it was like with an alien or something. I remember that. I remember they both they gave both families kids, didn't they? Uh, was it Pebbles oh, and yeah. Bam Bam? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it was that. But I, no, I wouldn't. I don't recall the alien bit. It sounds like the kind of thing they would do. <laughs> It was the grey something or other. It had like a helmet and it was just like a tiny green guy that supposedly um, only Fred and Barney could see. But the thing is, they say that they didn't really get much of a conclusion (laughs) or like closure for that character because it was supposed to be an alien that was banished to the prehistoric age. But it just seems like the weirdest thing because at least with Scooby-Doo, you can understand that, you know, yeah. oh, a younger version of Scooby, who's like braver compared to him. He's yeah. his complete opposite. Yeah, that makes sense. Aliens and cavemen, that just sounds like some yeah. weird form you stumble across on the internet and go, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, no, just, yeah, it's a weird, because I know the Simpsons do make fun of that as well. Not that particular thing, but the idea of, introducing new characters to keep a show fresh yeah 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 okay what have you got okay the last one i've got is probably quite a famous example um that of course being game of thrones Um, okay i don't know oh i don't know did you watch game of thrones when it was outside yeah and i'm laughing because it hasn't aired yet at time of recording but I did a show, I've seen mentioned at the start, about TV finales, and Game of Thrones featured in that as well. Oh. So it's featured in uh, the, the bad TV finales and also <laughs> Jump the Shark, which says a lot about a show, which for, for another of seasons was actually one of the best things on TV, I think. But The thing is, it used to be so good. Yeah. And that this is why I kind of struggle with thinking about fantasy or sci-fi examples for jumping the shark, because inherently... It is fantasy. You know, it's supposed to jump the shark. It's supposed to have all these fantastical elements. But when you've got a show that is fantasy 
and then that jumps the shark. Yeah, doing well. <laughs> you're doing something, yeah, you're, you're doing something really, really weird. Um, like, for example, the I can't remember the showrunners' names, I think it was D&D was their yeah. nickname, yeah. and they wanted just to finish the entire eighth season just as quickly as possible. So they had really stupid moments like, oh, Daenerys just forgot about the Iron Fleet. <laughs> what she, she she didn't spot a whole bunch of ships like up top that they somehow managed to take down their dragon with. And, oh, yeah, let's put, again, spoilers, let's put Bran on the throne yeah. because, what, why? what, why? Oh, yeah, let's kill off the White Walkers in one episode where we can't even see anything. I watched that in a dark room, by the way. Yes, yes. I still couldn't make out anything. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? There's just so many moments. Like, don't get me wrong, there are moments throughout the series where you think, oh, okay, that's a bit much, or okay, that's a bit too far, but at least it was still grounded in the world. Whereas in this, it's just yeah, the whole eighth season is jumping the shark. It's jumping the dragon. <laughs> no, it really is, and and that's kind of what we say in in the episode about TV finales. Is that it just felt like the writers, everyone connected with the show, had had enough and just wanted to write an ending quickly. And it, that's kind of what it felt like, isn't it? And it's a shame because it was one of these shows that just had such an impact on pop culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, people were. For goodness sake, they were naming their children Khaleesi at one point, which I wouldn't say, like, I'm a fan of the show. I wouldn't say I'm that much of a fan of the show that I would call my child or my dog or anything Khaleesi, but yeah, it just, it was definitely a touch zone at the time. Like, everybody knew what Game of Thrones was. They knew even the bare basic references. So, to have a show that, I mean, again, that's another example, though, because despite the horrific ending and the fact that the reputation will never recover from that, they still did the spin-off. Um, was it House that's of Dragons? I've not or... watched it, though. I've not watched it. I haven't. I it's, it's one of those things. I know it's got good reviews, but I kind of feel like I'm done with it. That, that, that final season yeah. just did me. Because it's... Because that is quite an interesting thing, though. It's like, even though you've suffered through, like, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly of a show, if they come out with more of that content, you're kind of like, well, well, what's the point, you know? Like, there's a particular, just, sorry, one slight side tangent uh, show I watched, um, it was an anime called The Great Pretender. I don't know if you've no, ever seen no, this. No, I haven't. Long story short, it's like about a group of con men and this guy gets kind of inducted into their group and everything. And each season they focus on conning particular people. By the last season, for anyone who's seen The Great Pretender, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it is balls to the wall crazy and not in a good way. It's like so much so that they build an identical tower, pretend that someone else or a couple of other characters get killed off and everything. It's just, it's all these events that they seem very final. But then, of course, they're not final because they just bring them back because mm. th- that's what the writers can do. Um, 
Which I have to admit is something that they don't necessarily do in Game of Thrones, but I mean the damage is done. Dead or not, you know, they might not be dead, but their careers are normally joking. <laughs> what I say about Game of Thrones is it's very similar, although completely different scale, but similar to Sherlock, that yeah. The disappointment is even more is even greater to fans because of how good what came before it was. Absolutely. I, th- I think that's what it is. Very good final one there. I'm going to just do a couple of quick honourable mentions, and I've broken my rule of the duration of an episode, but we needed to speak all this, and I think our rant about Bake Off needs to be heard. We Absolutely. should have done that at the start. <laughs> that, that that needs to be an announcement for, for more people to hear. But I've just got a couple of films I want to throw your way as an honourable mention. <laughs> one, I've got Fast and Furious, and in brackets I've got Take Your Pick. No, right. I have to say, I actually I love the Fast and Furious films. Again, I got into them late. I literally only watched them this year. They're dumb fun, right? But a car in space, come on, <laughs> you know? I mean, I have to say, like, I mean, you say you got into them late. I still haven't watched, as of this episode, I still haven't oh, yeah, watched the Fast and Furious films. Not yet, but I, I know what happens, well, not what happens, but in the sense that it just gets more and more ridiculous as it goes on. Um, I've even got a friend who says that, I think it's Hobson Shaw, yeah. is that yeah, a spin-off? Off. Yeah, yeah. It, he, he swears that it is a fantastic film. He's like, watch it, it's one of the best action films you will ever watch, and I'm like, that is amazing. I love it, I, I'm uh, being but... honest, I love him. It's it's like the Expendables of that this kind of, like the car scene, if you know what I mean, but mm-hmm. if oh, you yeah. go into it knowing that the first one is kind of grounded in a bit of street racing, and the Tokyo Drift is supposedly also grounded in the street racing. Once you once you accept that, after that, it's going into the weird—not the weird, but the over-the-top action film. It's fine, but there are a couple of sequences, and the one I mentioned about a car being used to go into space—that yeah, thread is really being pulled quite thin there. <laughs> so yeah, Fast and Furious, take your pick. And for me, again, one that really hit me just actually today, funnily enough. Was Jaws four? Oh yeah. So have you, have you seen all the Jaws films? Um, I know what happens in most of them because I've seen a couple of reviews of people talking about how it went from a shark film to downright crazy, like man hunting shark. And I think is that the one with Michael Caine in it? It is, and I remember seeing this at the cinema as well. And absolutely. It's gone from quite a terrifying, tense film that made you not want to go anywhere near the water to, yeah, in this fourth one, the shark has got a grudge and is actually hunting them. If I remember right, I think it follows, the, like the family fly to the Bahamas or something, and the shark follows, follows them. <laughs> and it's actually going after the family. And it's like, yeah, you put it into the realm of like that schlocky, like Nightmare on Elm Street kind of spoof horror almost. Yeah. So yeah. So again, literally, shark um, jumping the shark there, and I think it was a shame it was the last film. But yeah, it was just it was just bizarreness. So yeah. Well, look, thank you for that. I think we've had a bit of fun fun with a lot of those, right? Absolutely, <laughs> totally. And, and like I said, before anyone does get the wrong end stick, we're not saying these are bad. It's just picking moments out of potentially good shows or ideas that do kind of leave you scratching your head right so um, but 
if, if there's something we haven't said, let us know. Drop us a tweet or or a, an email. Let us know your, your thoughts on it if there's any obvious ones we've missed. Satsu, thank you again for giving me your time. Do you just want to shout out what your socials are, how people could get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to check out more of my content in particular, you can check us out at our website, podpage.com forward slash chatsunami where we also do have a contact page. So if you want to reach out to us directly, please feel free to use that. And yeah, can't wait to speak to you. Um, We are also on most platforms. We're on Twitter under the name ChatsunamiPod. We're on Instagram under the name Chatsunami. We're on Facebook. We're on Threads. We're on TikTok. Can, Can you tell that? I'm a little annoyed that we're on everything now because of Threads is the new one I've got to get used to yeah. saying, yeah. Oh, threads as well. My goodness. So many. But if you want to catch us there, then please feel free to check us out there. But yeah, as always, thank you though for having me on. It's always a blast coming into um casting views. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And just a real side note, Thread's name always reminds me there's that Doomsday film. British film called Threads, yeah. isn't it, about nuclear fallout, which apparently, I've not watched it, but it's one of the most depressing and distressing films, apparently. And every time I hear Threads, I just think of that. Do you know, funny enough, you're not the first person that I've heard say that. And every time now I think of it when I hear Threads, I'm like, oh, great. So you should do an episode <laughs> on it. You should do an oh, episode absolutely. on it. I'll need to watch it first and then I'll need to convince <laughs> that goes. So, sorry, diversion. Please do follow, subscribe to Chat Tsunami if you're not. It really is an enjoyable podcast. If this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, please consider pressing the subscribe button and leaving a rating or review where you can. You can get hold of me at castingviewspod at gmail.com. And as that's it, so I'm on Twitter, Instagram, threads, TikTok, uh, under Casting Views. So, yeah, feel free to, to drop me a note on there. So, That's all for this week, and we will catch you next time. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get.